When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. It was painfully obvious for anyone watching last Sunday that this Liverpool side under Jurgen Klopp is still capable of being one of, if not the best team in the country. I don't think there's ever been a Premier League side to have three go three games on the chart without having a having a shot on target. That has to be a concern for them. What relegation would do to West Ham is um, it, it doesn't bear thinking about for West Ham fans, to be honest. You know, with the financial stakes that they've got invested in in, in staying in the Premier League. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell, and it's time for the weekend preview. I'm joined by George Ellick, Bet365, Steve Freeth and Tim Spears as well to look ahead to what's to come this weekend. Man City go first in the race for the title once more. Will Arsenal need to leave it so late to reply this week? Having stuck seven past Manchester United, Liverpool head to Bournemouth, having already put nine past the Cherries at Anfield this season. And what response do Eric Ten Hag's men have as Southampton head to Old Trafford? That's all to come here on the Weekend Preview. Right then, let's get into it. It's Bournemouth v Liverpool, which is the Saturday lunchtime offering. Liverpool, of course, scoring seven against Manchester United. George, was this a fluke freak result or a Liverpool turning things round? That's four wins in five and they've not conceded since the 3-0 defeat at Wolves. I think it's just a sign that you know form isn't always linear. And when you have a group of players as talented as uh, Liverpool's, um, sometimes things can just click and that was the case. Um, the... Forward three of, of Darwin Nunez, Mo Salah and Cody Gakpo has been okay so far. You know, obviously coming into this game, the Premier League form for Liverpool had been very strong if you took out the you know the Real Madrid game and the Champions League, uh, both in an attacking sense and not conceding any goals as well. But Mo Salah was the Mo Salah that we haven't seen enough of this season. The one who, you know, a year or so ago, we probably said was the best player in, in world football at the time. Darwin Nunez, finally getting his breaks in front of goal, uh, managing to put two away. And Gakpo, as you'd expect, is is kind of improving with every game. So, you know, for Manchester United, how they look at this will be interesting. After all the progress that they've made, do you write it off as just a bad day at the office? Or do you really try and tackle what the issues were on the day? Um, you know, they, they bounced back. They showed some resilience with the, the resounding win over, over Real Betis on Thursday night. But for Liverpool now, it's got to be a case of this is what we are capable of. And those of us, myself included, who started, you know, doing the career obits of, of Fabinho and, and Jordan Henderson and other players, it was painfully obvious for anyone watching last Sunday that this Liverpool side under Jurgen Klopp is still capable of being one of, if not the best team in the country. And uh, for whatever happened, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked in the last few months, but um, the springboard is now there. And, you know, we, we've scoffed on this show about the, the Bet365 traders having Liverpool being so short uh, for the top four over the last few weeks. Well, um, turns out they knew and we didn't. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the second time in, in recent years Liverpool have looked absolutely miles off the top four, only to look like they might go on a rampage and, and steal a place because nobody else wants it. Tim Nunes, Gakpo and Salah is the new Liverpool front three, and they've got Diaz and Jota to come in as well, and Firmino for the rest of this season as well. Gakpo in particular, he looked like a man possessed in front of goal. Yeah, it felt, it felt like the Cody Gakpo sort of uh, arrival game. R- rampage is the right word. That's how it felt, really. I guess... That's what impressed me more than anything. That even at seven 0 they were they were going for more. You know, they 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 were going for the throat despite only three minutes of uh, stoppage time being added on. Which oh, like, you were fuming, weren't you? Yeah. Absolutely fuming, absolutely fuming, mate. So yeah, I guess you know we, we've been talking all season about about Liverpool's mentality and how that's been their major weakness. That was the complete opposite last week. Like I said, the fact they were going for more at seven 0 will be one good sign. And another would be, I know it's just a minor thing, but Klopp not giving it the, the, the old fist bumps to the cop at full time was really noticeable because that was his very public message. You know, they were baying for him to do it and he was like, oh no, I'm not going to do it. And that was his sort of message to them and to the cameras that, you know, this isn't it. Liverpool aren't just back because of one result. And it's an ideal fixture for them at the weekend, you have to say. You're not going to get as good a performance this time round, but the key is, you know, in football to speak, to follow it up with another win and show that it's it's not just a one-off game because yeah there's a lot there's still a lot to play for I know that they're soon to be out of the Champions League we will expect but finishing fourth is 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 massively important for for Liverpool and and it won't necessarily be easy yeah Liverpool are now three points off Spurs with a game in hand and Spurs are yet to go to Anfield Newcastle four points off Spurs with two games in hand on Tottenham Steve Bet365 have been right all along as George says what are they saying now what's going to happen yeah the fours into 10 to 11 now Dan to to finish in the top four and they're actually eight to five to finish in fourth place and five to one to finish in third because we have Liverpool's finishing position on site and I know that I've, I've mentioned these odds um, quite often uh, over the last few months. I'm still, you know, I'll, can I just flip it round just a little bit and just talk about the teams that Liverpool have played in the in this in this run? Obviously, Palace, Wolves, uh, Newcastle with ten men, uh, Everton, and I know you've they're just beating the sides that are in front of them. They got hammered against Real Madrid, and by the way, we are seeing money for Liverpool to beat Real Madrid twenty twos into sixteen to one to come um, for a, for another great comeback in Europe the the three forward players that we've all that you two guys have talked about glowingly scored six goals from six shots on target at the weekend as well so let, I want I want to see what happens over the next couple of weeks you got Real Madrid of course you got Manchester City and Chelsea away and you've got Arsenal at home those three games are absolutely huge and and the algorithms and the bet 365 machine say Liverpool will finish in the Top four at ten to eleven. With Spurs now on the drift at nine to four. Newcastle also the same price at nine to four. With Brighton at six to one. Liverpool maybe aren't back according to Bet Three Six. No, I'm just saying. I, 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 I just wanted to give it just a, just another angle because it, I'm just trying to look at the bigger picture in, instead of saying yes, Liverpool are back. Maybe they've got one foot in the door. I mean, maybe last week could act as a, as a lightning rod because that is an unbelievable result and an unbelievable performance from, from Klopp's previous mentality monsters. Maybe getting back to somewhere near that at, at the weekend. If that doesn't give their season lift off, then, then nothing will because that was a, a stupendous result. Let's look a little bit at Bournemouth now. They're bottom after losing 3-2 at Arsenal. Only one point off safety though, but their goal difference is minus 27, which is the worst in the division. Tim Bournemouth, they'll be tearing the hair out, weren't they, to come away with that? Absolutely nothing last week at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, although 
they showed some qualities that you know have been lacking really in in, in recent weeks. You know, the, the fighting spirit. You know, fans have been calling for for more of that, as well as the quality they showed. You know, with that kickoff goal was insane. But also the, the the counterattacks throughout the game, you know, they, they were posing Arsenal, you know, a real threat. It wasn't just a, a a fluke that they were two 0 up, which is promising for them. You know, I just can't see it to be honest. I um I, I think of all the teams down there, with Southampton picking up a bit of form recently, Bournemouth would be my most most likely team to go down. I think you know Gary O'Neill's you know done done a good job and, and steady the ship after after that really poor start. Um, I thought they'd be cut adrift by now, to be honest. So the, mm. the fact that they're still in it is, is testament to him. But I don't think there's a good argument to put forward for them staying up. But hey, if if if, if they produce first halves like they did last week for the rest of the season, then then they will stay up. But I just don't think that'll happen. Yeah, and George, never mind set piece coaches, kickoff coaches. It's worked on that little routine for for Bournemouth. Incredible kickoff at the start of the game last week. Yeah, it's great that, and I think any kind of attempts to use. Basically, a set play. You know, we don't think of kickoffs being a set play necessarily, um, but any advantage you can gain from being able to basically set up a, a set play in the literal sense, like an American football play, it should be done. It's probably a, an area of football that isn't explored enough. Um, I always love to see innovative free kicks taken, particularly, you know, currently we're seeing a lot in the EFL as, as players shooting from crossing positions from 45 yards at the near post flying in. Uh, anything like that, I think, is especially when you're in a position with Bournemouth where. You're basically going into every game knowing that you're at a disadvantage in terms of your the technical ability of your players. So, yeah, I'm all for it. And Philip Billing making Arsenal fans sweat early on in the game. Uh, but Arsenal, obviously, as we'll talk about later, managed to come out on top at the end. Yeah, Steve, I actually think it won't get talked about because of obviously everything that happened at the, at the end of the Arsenal game with, with Reese Nelson storming goal in the last minute of stoppage time. But I just think that's one of the, one of the goals of the season. It was, it was a lovely little move. Brilliant. I've done it before. They've got history with it, of course. They did it, did they, in the second half against Fulham in the yeah. Championship? So they've, they've caught teams cold before. And just the way that they shifted players about. And, and yeah, I think, I think Zinchenko was, was still chatting by the time that they kicked off. And he was caught cold and, and fair play. And it, and it still takes an awful lot of things to do for it to all to yeah. fall into play, in, in, into play. And the way it did. And it, it, it was great. I want to flip it round again, Dan. Steve, stop I want this. to say, Matt. I want to say maybe that the Bournemouth coaches should be maybe concentrating a little bit more on defending set plays because they've conceded the most in the Premier League at 15. I know they've conceded the most goals in 51, but I'm just saying that it's, yeah, it's, it's all very well that the coaches celebrating it on the touchline after that working, but for them to concede, they concede two set pieces against Arsenal as well. Um, of course, that last one as well with, with, with Nelson's chance was probably about a three, four percent chance of going in. So it's very, it's it's such a horrible thing. And we, of course, paid out on Bournemouth as well as they went two goals um, ahead. So that was a little frustrating as well. But Bournemouth's fixtures in April, I know they've got Liverpool and, and, and Villa coming up, but they've got, they've got Fulham at home, they've got Brighton at home, West Ham at home and Leeds at home as well. They're one to three favourites to currently go down. But if they can salvage something from those, who knows in this division, you won't need 40, 40 points this season either to stay up. I make it around a 25 to 1 chance that you need that. I'm thinking around 34, 35. And they're the only side down the bottom that have played both Arsenal and Manchester City, both home and away so far. So that maybe there are some positives to, to come out from this unless they you know, get beat nine again this weekend against Liverpool. Yeah, well, some of the goals that, that Bournemouth conceded this season were before Gary O'Neill's tenure. Liverpool, of course, did win the reverse 9-0, which led to Scott Parker effectively resigning as Bournemouth were not looking good enough to survive. Gary O'Neill deserves huge credit. He was actually Liverpool's under-23 assistant before joining Jonathan Woodgate's coaching staff at Bournemouth. 
Bournemouth got any chance this weekend? Anyone giving them a, giving them a prayer? I don't think they'll win, but I think given that they, the scare that they gave Arsenal last weekend and the importance of these games to them, I, I don't think we can just say this is a, a Liverpool no. banker. Um, I a thirteen to, to two, mm. Bournemouth a thirteen to two to win the game. Thirteen to two shots cop all the time. So yeah, we're not totally writing them off. I, I can maybe see a, a low scoring Liverpool victory, but yeah. I'm, I'm right. See, you see, you see, Liverpool in a win. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, it's, yeah. e- it's, e- it's easy to tip up, you know, five on shots, isn't it? I mean, in the way Liverpool season's gone, in a way, it would be typical of them to beat Manchester United seven nil and then lose away. So you're saying they're not back as well, Dan? Is that what you're saying? I'm Are just saying, saying the way either? the season's gone at times, it would it would be typical, wouldn't it? They've they've done this kind of thing all season. This is why they're they're where they are. So it will be interesting to see what happens. It would actually be a massive win for Liverpool if they do back up last week because the, didn't they beat Man City on earlier on in the season at Anfield and then lost to someone else the, the next week and then and they weren't back again. So they've got you know they've got previous this season. So it would actually be a huge statement from Liverpool. Maybe we'll know more next week as to whether well they you, are look, back. you look at I guess you look at Man United winning a, a trophy one week and then lose, yeah. losing seven 0 the next. You know. Yeah, you've got to back those things that's, up. That's, mm. Next, we will check in on Manchester United as they look to respond from that seven 0 humbling by Liverpool, as well as the state of the title race. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. It's Grealish though. Who can only poke it away so far? Just when they needed that, Bernardo Silva comes off the bench and scores. Newcastle asking all the questions, but it's Manchester City who have the answers. You're listening to the weekend preview here on the Athletic Football Podcast. We're going to look at the title race now. Palace are playing Man City Saturday 5.30, whilst Arsenal travel to Fulham in the Sunday 2 o'clock offering on Sky. Man City five wins in seven in all competitions, drawing twice since defeat at Tottenham. Are they hitting their best form, George, ahead of the running? Yeah, I mean, it looks that way. I still don't feel like they are... I think they're hitting their best form of the season so far, mm. but it doesn't really feel like they're quite as dominant as they have been in previous campaigns when they're you know when they're being kept their task by Liverpool. Um, yes, you know beating Newcastle two 0 at home was a, a good result. Newcastle are fairly solid, but again quite a good time to play Newcastle. It wasn't that long ago that we saw them go to Forest and despite dominating the game, dropping points. So yeah, they're playing well. I think this should be a fairly comfortable game for them. It feels incredible that you know if we go back a year or so ago we were talking about how obvious it was that Arsenal should replace Mikel Arteta with Patrick Vieira Um, (laughs) when you consider that now it it seems utterly ludicrous Palace obviously struggling City should be dominant 
it wouldn't surprise me at all to see City drop points again in the, in the coming weeks, but whether or not it's this weekend, I, I, I probably doubt it. Yeah, Tim, this is Man City's final Premier League match until playing Liverpool after the international break. How important is Pep's use of his squad going to be? Now, we all love a bit of Pep roulette, unless you're playing fantasy football, of course. But, you know, they've still got multiple trophies to go for at the moment. And actually, if you look at their squad, I know it sounds stupid. It isn't massively deep. They've got superb quality. But in terms of numbers, Pep prefers to work with with, with a smaller base. Yeah, uh, Yeah, quality over quantity to an extent. But yeah, they've they've still got an awful lot of an awful lot of players to choose from. But I get others are stepping up down recently. I mean, Haaland's only scored two in eight, you know. Yeah, he's gone which quiet, is, which is appalling for him. A, you know, a drop off felt inevitable from the from the opening games of the season. But he, yeah, he's, he's dropped off more than I thought he would. But others others are stepping up. You know, we've seen Phil Foden in the goals recently. Uh, Mares having a great season. De Bruyne has still got seventeen assists despite feeling like he's 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 gone down a level this year and and, and still injury problems. Nathan Ake, you know, probably their best defender this season, or at least the most consistent. Then you've still got Grealish, Bernardo Silva, Alvarez, Gundogan as well. You know, there are so many to chip in. So yeah, that that's the key test for for Pep Guardiola now, and he's such a master at this. Is 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 seeing who's in form, who's about to dip out of form, who can play three in a week, who who needs a rest. You know, he's 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 proven time and again over his career. That's one of his great strengths. So I don't think fighting on three fronts is. Is going to be an issue, but like George says, they haven't. They're not in. They're not in fifth gear just yet. No, they're not. They're definitely not peak Manchester City, as I would call them at the moment. But they are in their their better form at this season at, at the moment. And we, I think I said last week, Phil Foden has been on the bench, on the bench, on the bench, roared back into form. That's what Pep does. He, he keeps people interested. He keeps them motivated. Maybe leaves them out for a bit, and they come back with a bang team that's not playing with a bang at all at the moment is Crystal Palace. Five of Palace's last nine have been draws. That's been four defeats. And Steve, they're now only five points above the bottom three. I watched them at Villa Park last week and admittedly they went down to 10 men after about an hour. But generally, I just saw absolutely nothing from Crystal Palace. And since football came back from the World Cup and even a little bit before, Palace have been poor. Yeah, no wins in nine down. One of only three sides in the in the Football League, Premier League, not to win in 2023. The other two being QPR and, and Forest Green. So, And the last side that they beat were Bournemouth. But I suppose, again, looking at the other way, a lot of those were, were draws, you know, not many goals. That has to be a concern. 11 blanks in the 25 games that they've played. Sahar is key for them. He started the season really well, didn't he? With four goals in August, I think. I had a little bit of celebration last week, Dan, when I saw that Palace were one up at Villa and Sahara had scored. So I bet you did. I bet you were thinking, yeah, yeah. So obviously when that was uh, was, uh, was disallowed. And then it wasn't a great game, that was it, by all accounts. 74th minute until the first first shot on target there. And talking of shots on target, Crystal Palace have had four games this season where they haven't had even a one single shot on target and two back-to-back. I don't think there's ever been a Premier League side to have three go three games on the trot without having a, having a shot on target. That has to be a concern for them. Whenever I look at the league table, Crystal Palace are in 12th. Did they start the season in 12th? Something must be wrong with the league table because they're in 12th every single week. But they are 8-1 to to get relegated. So there's still positives, I think, to take from it. They might not be 8-1 to for too long or in 12th for too long because their next three games are City, Brighton and Arsenal. But again, I think... Of the other games that they have left, eight of them against the bottom nine, and that's where they've got all their wins from this season. Six wins against against the bottom nine. And let's not forget, early in the season, they were two up against Manchester City. We paid out on Crystal Palace, and then a certain Erling Haaland came to the show and and, uh, and got a hat-trick. 
They're struggling for goals at home as well. Chances have been thin on the ground. I'm saying that, and I'm thinking that eight to one could be a spot of value after 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 what I've said. Well, I mean, those next three games look look not great for for Palace, City, Brighton, and Arsenal, especially with the last two being being away as well, and the one at home being Manchester just, City. But, uh, after that, Dan, I was looking at this earlier. That their six games in April are insane. They're all around. They're all against teams around them: Leicester, Leeds, Saints. Everton, Wolves, and West Ham. That's their April. So that's what's going to define them, really. Either they either they lose loads of those and get sucked into it, or they have enough quality to win what four games? Would you probably keep them up? They're on twenty seven points now, thirty nine. Probably keep them up. Yeah, I, I think they've got enough to do that. But they've got no goal scorers. Um, they've only got four players who've scored more than one goal this season, including uh, George's Golden Boot tip winner, who still has time to catch. <laughs> I completely forgot about that, Tim. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> is he uh, is he odds on yet? <laughs> but, but it, it is it, it is weird with and you know ignoring the jive about odds on um <laughs> it, it it is weird with palace where i can't think of many occasions where you have a team where personnel doesn't really change the, the team is the same patrick Vieira is still in charge but last season they were a brilliant watch and the football was expansive they were one of the best teams i think as a neutral to watch in the premier league with Individual quality with, you know, Eze, with um, Olise, with, of course, Wilfred Zaha and others. They they just don't look the same team at all this season. It looks like there's a complete shift in, in playing style that isn't working and isn't great to watch. Individual players not really stepping up. I, I can't. Patrick Vieira came into Palace without a great reputation as a manager and very quickly stepped up and looked far better than what was anticipated. I think this Palace team kind of looks like what the neutral was expecting when, when Vieira came in. Um, I'd be interested to know why Palace fans, if there's been a change in coaching staff behind the scenes. I know obviously Sean Derry was said to have left a few weeks ago and then was back on the bench a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, it just seems rare that you have such a shift in an identity from a football team without any clear reason for that to, to happen. Conor Gallagher seems to be the, the biggest difference I can course. see yeah, I yeah. can see in that midfield. He was a real key player for, for them last season. And Palace fans have been saying on social media for weeks that they're sleepwalking into a relegation battle. I've taken Tim's point that, you know, you back them to get four wins before the end of end of the season, maybe even three would, would be enough. But it's tight from 12th to 20th at, at the moment. And, and every team seems capable of, of winning a game in that in that bottom 8-9, whereas Crystal Palace don't even seem capable of scoring a goal at the moment. So I, I think they could be in trouble. And it, not what you expected. They were getting universally praised last season. We praised the rebuild because, to be fair to Vieira, he had to take on a lot of new players last season and he, he steadied the ship and he got them into a good position. But that... Conor Gallagher hole in midfield just it's been filled but with different types of players and Palace just don't look the same so yeah going to be interesting keep an eye on them in the next few weeks because they could find themselves banging the mix let's look at Arsenal then George can they keep relying on stoppage time winners to keep their noses in front Manchester United at home, Villa away, Bournemouth at home. They conceded two in each of them, so they're having to score at least three to win a game at the moment. But you know you can't get can't get away from it. The resilience that they're showing is is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Um, and especially because the fixture congestion they've got as well for them to be coming on so strong late on in games is is incredible. I mean, it obviously helps in terms of game state when you're coming back from behind up against teams below you in the table who are naturally going to sit back. You know, it's going to be you knocking on the door. Although, of course, as Dan, you'll remember, um, Villa very nearly did them on the break uh, and won that game before uh, before the goal that, that won it for Arsenal. No, they can't keep relying on late goals and they probably won't have to. It's turning 
the poorer performances or the performances where Arsenal are unable to translate their dominance into a healthy lead by late by by the you know the end of games into three points that might be the the difference between being champions and uh, and and coming second. You know, I I always disagree with the idea that a good team is a a team who plays badly and, and wins. I think that's often a, a successful team or, or a team that that overachieves, and that's what Arsenal managed to do. And I'm sure. You know, they they will get better defensively again. There will be games in the coming weeks where they they've won the game by the hour mark, and um, they'll look back on those. You know, the the, the Reece Nelson, Reece Nelson goal um, against Bournemouth and the own goal against Villa as being key moments in their in their race. So, I doubt they'll have to. They're probably going to have to tighten up defensively. But as you say, unbelievable resilience and belief, and I guess just kind of fitness levels in order to to, to do what they've done in the last few weeks. Yeah, they take on Fulham at Craven Cottage on Sunday. Tough place to go this season. Fulham are having an exceptional season. But when João Paulinho doesn't play, Steve, they don't look the same. You know, shipping three against Brentford without him in that midfield. He loves a yellow card, which is why he's suspended. But he's been one of the signings of the season, undoubtedly. Yeah, definitely. A massive miss. And the last game he missed in the Premier League, Dan, was before they conceded against Newcastle. He's tackling his aerial ability as well. I think he's a presence. Yeah, he's uh, he's he hasn't committed the most fouls in the Premier League though. I'm surprised. I'm surprised me? at that. This was a shock to me. A a mythical oat cake, of course, on the way to anybody who can tell me who's committed the most fouls in the Premier League. You will unless you knew it off the top of the head. You will not get it. Give us a clue then. He's a forward. I was going to guess that. Is it a striker? Uh, Ivan Tony. No. Good guess that. Mitrovic. No. Kane. No. Tim's voice has changed. <laughs> George is going until he gets it. George is it's going to be, it's every... gonna be upper class. It's going to be upper class there, Tim. <laughs> Tim's, just on go- Tim's just on Google. I'm trying to load, load Opta just so I can just get it. Kai Havertz. Really? No, wow. Yeah, I did hear that recently as well. Bloody hell. I would never yeah, have Kai got Havertz. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a massive miss for his... Yeah, he's clearly a, a class out. I think Sasha Lukic came in uh, instead of him. But Fulham weren't great against Brentford, were they? And that's... Uh, and that was a concern, and Brentford were deserved winners of that game. They weren't great, but they still scored twice. Fulham, you know, they, yeah. they know where the back of the net is this season. But they just they just miss Jao Paulinho in front of that back four because what he does is he protects the back four, but he gives the platform to those in front of him as well. So they've actually got some really good attacking players. Fulham, he's he's actually irreplaceable in there, isn't he? Definitely, yes. There were three unbelievable free kicks in that first oh, half of that really game, was. one of which went in. Jesus, like Mbomo's clipping of the post, then Tony's was probably the best of the lot, clipping the uh, the joint. And then the one that came back off the woodwork for the um, for the Solomon goal. Um, but I, I agree that the first twenty five minutes of that game, where Brentford was so dominant and could have, you know, they had four or five big chances in the first ten minutes. I've never seen it so ov- obvious how much a team is missing one yeah, player. He'd have made as, a as huge difference there. in there. He'd have, he'd have broken. They were, the play, they were so they? overrun. Doesn't bode well for them then up against the league leaders without him at the weekend. Dan, just to say the um, the the best thing about this game is that it's actually on TV. So uh, anyone listening last week will remember (laughs) perhaps my rant that Arsenal Bournemouth was not on telly. Okay, I wasn't expecting it to be the best game of the whole season, but come on, Sky and BT, stick Arsenal on the telly for goodness sake. Yeah, let's not blame the TV companies because some of us work for for those TV companies. Um, Right then, let's look at Manchester United v Southampton, which is also Sunday at two o'clock as Tim Spears rages that he doesn't have the red button (laughs) to make the choice of which game he watches, although I'm sure he wouldn't be choosing this one anyway. But Manchester United coming into it off the back of their heaviest ever Premier League defeat, George. Are we expecting a reaction? I guess we got one of sorts on Thursday night. Yeah, I think that was the... 
a really good game for, for United to have um, where yeah. they could play on a Thursday night. Not many people really taking too much of an interest at home against a, a real better side who they'd be expected to beat. Um, it was a, a big day, I think, for Bruno Fernandes after um, all of the talk about his performance against Liverpool, um, all of his talk about his captaincy, um, about his body language, about whether he asked to be subbed. I think just going and being able to play in Europe, you know, put in the performance he did, score the goal, it feels to me like that was the perfect you know, way to get over, to get a bit of closure from what was a really traumatic night in front of the home fans as well, sending them home happy, having seen four goals scored and everyone can just draw a line through it because um, it shouldn't take away from the, the incredible progress that Eric Ten Hag has made. All it is, is it just shows that any um, fancies that United might be able to go on and press the top two for the title is probably not going to happen. But I still think they'll finish in the top four. I still think they'll, they'll probably win this game fairly comfortably. And um, it'll just go down as, as one of those nights and just a bit of an aberration uh, and something that United fans will wake up in cold sweat thinking about for the rest of their lives. But um, yeah, hopefully there'll be some more better days to come in the future. Yeah, Rashford scored again against Real Betis. That's 18 goals in 22 games since returning from the World Cup. Incredible that there's been 22 games since, since the World Cup. It doesn't feel that long ago, the World Cup. And it's just his form all round. It's been, been such a turn turnaround under Eric Ten Hag, Steve. I believe he's gone from 100 to 1 to 6 to 1 for the PFA Player of the Year. I mean, Harlem was looking an absolute banker for that at the start of the season. He's probably not now. Yeah, well, he's still short, Dan Harland. I just, it's a, a, about the vote, isn't it? And I've, I've had this conversation before. Harland's been absolutely brilliant, but will he get the vote off his, off his fellow pros? He's, I've, dare I say, I've, I've said it before about, are we just bored of Harland? I don't, it's bad. I know Rashford is, um, that's, a, that's a terrible thing to say, I know, but he's still four to seven favourite to, to win this, having been five, five to one at the start of the season, Dan. Um, yeah, Rashford continues to score goals. He's into six to one for the for the PFA. He's one to two to score twenty Premier League goals. The f- first time he's ever done that um, in his career. And um, I think we all questioned him at, at the start of the season when I was at the Arsenal game at Old Trafford. I think some some fans will question question him at the start of the season as well. Um, he answered them with I think he got a couple of goals in in that game. Confidence, fit, firing, hungry, brilliant to see. And I think he has a chance of this at PFA and and. And Manchester United has just six to one to win the treble, and they were seven hundred and fifty to one, not not so long ago to do that. The treble of 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 the three cups, so that's uh, yeah 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 credit to Ten Hag. But just going back to that first half, very briefly last week at Anfield, they had four shots with three on target. It looked it was a very level game, and then all of a sudden, the way that they folded second half. I know we talked about Bruno, but Luke Shaw, who, who we praised all season. Had an absolute stinker as well. So it really did. Hopefully, hopefully they can put it all behind them and, and and crack on. But like you said earlier, Dan, they ain't going to forget it for a very long time, if ever. Yeah, and the audacity of Steve Freeth, the West Brom fan, calling Harlem boring. I've never seen audacity like it on a, <laughs> on, on, on a podcast show before. I get why. Well, I, I do take your point, but you wouldn't be saying he was boring. He'd never get any from yeah. Daryl DK, would he? Let's be honest. Yeah, none, none of us would be saying he was boring <laughs> if he was playing for our teams up front. That, that, that's oh no, 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 he's world class. But yeah, he's just. He just, well, I know he's not been scoring every week, but he just does it, doesn't he? He's, I take your point. He's, he's almost robotic in, in what he does, almost machine-like, isn't he? Oh, there's Haaland with another tapping, but it's a skill yeah. to, we, to be we just become used that. to it, haven't we? That's yeah. what I was saying. We're just used to him just banging him in. Okay. I mean, he's, he's not banging him in at, at the moment, but I would say he's not particularly missing chances either. It's just the goals have just slowed down for whatever reason, but no doubt he'll be back in the goals again soon. 
Southampton are two wins in three now. The last three results have all been 1-0 either way. Only Everton and Wolves who've scored 19 have scored fewer goals than them though. So they need to tighten up defensively to have any chance of staying up, George. Yeah, they do. And, you know, the fixture list isn't particularly kind to them uh, in their next uh, five games. They've got United obviously here and then they host Brentford and Tottenham. Tottenham obviously not in great form, but either way, two sides who currently occupy places in the top seven or eight in the Premier League. Um, they travel to West Ham, which will be a huge game, and then at home to Man City. So you can't really see where the goals are necessarily going to come from from in the next few weeks. It was obviously a massive win against Leicester. And, you know, Ruben Sellers is staking his claim for the job, I guess, even if there was a, a home defeat to a League Two side in the FA Cup before that. Um, I still think they look like they're lacking quality. Um, it was interesting to see um, Theo Wolcott brought back from the from the cold to start against Leicester, which I think is an indication of where um, Southampton are right now in terms of their squad depth uh, in, in advanced areas and the form of certain players. So off the back of that that big win against Leicester, a trip to Old Trafford, a trip to a, an, a Manchester United side who are smarting a bit after that defeat probably isn't the, the ideal ideal game, but they've given themselves a fighting chance with that. And um, yeah, massive concerns for Leicester because again, as we say every week, they, they seem to find new ways to win and to go to Southampton and, and look as, as blunt as they were was a, a you know, a, a pretty damning indictment of where they are right now. Yeah, it was January signing Carlos Alcaraz who got the goal last time out against Leicester. We've got some trivia coming up. I mean, trivia may, may as well be who who were Southampton's five January signings, Tim, because you know, they don't feel like they've made a massive impact, but that goal last week from Alcaraz could be huge. Yeah, he made an impact on the game and, and on the turf uh, with his celebration, his which then caused him to leave the field, which is brilliant. Well, not brilliant if you're a Southampton fan. Yeah, a great win. I mean, you've got to say it's a really lucky win last week. I mean, Leicester, Leicester should have won that game. Um, Ian Acho and then Harry Souter right at the end, you know, they, they should have scored at least a couple of goals. So Saints were fortunate. Um, they're probably unfortunate that Man United have played in midweek because, yeah, you'd want this to be the first game after Liverpool, I think, just to try and play on the nerves of the crowd and maybe get an early goal. Um, yeah, I was, I was reading um, our athletic guy, Jacob Tanswell, uh, the other day, who said they've sort of modified their style a little bit. It was 4 but they don't have the quality to play through teams in those in those sort of areas around the box. So they've gone a bit wider, a bit more of 4-2-3-1, and the goal came from that with Alcaraz sort of breaking through the lines and Che Adams with a fantastic pass. So, yeah, again, like, like Bournemouth, and I think most people are sort of in agreement on this, really, that, 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 that it's hard to make a case for them staying up. Teams above them look more capable of going on a run. Southampton just look far too sort of inconsistent to me. But you never know if Alcaraz is fit and they can get him chasing beyond the lines again like for his goal last week then you never know they might get a bit of joy Dan I was just going to say that Jan uh, Bednarik might have a bit of uh, wake up in a cold sweat as well with his trip to Old Old Trafford with the, with the previous game that they had just a couple of years ago when they lost 9 nearly, had an absolute stinker in this game I think he was the only ever player to uh, score an own goal concede a penalty and get sent off in the same game as well so of course he's, I think he's back in the Southampton regard as well so it, it'll be it'll be a huge game for them and just from a defensive point of view as well I think the goalkeeper will be absolutely delighted that the fact he's got two clean sheets in three because um, I don't think he's looked uh, Gavin Pesudo I don't think he's looked very much at the goals prevented charts this season because he's uh, he has let in a few according to that metric but you know, they go there with a bit more confidence than they would have done in in, in previous weeks. So that's good to see. Yeah, the interim manager's galvanised them a, a little bit, hasn't he? In fairness, picked up a couple, a couple of great 1-0 wins and I'll take your point on Bazuno as well because 
he's not having a great time of it from, from what I've seen on the eye test at, at the moment, letting some stuff that you'd expect him to save. And, you know, he's probably been shocked in at him all season in, in his defence. So, yeah, I'm not sure he'll be relishing playing Manchester United and playing Marcus Rashford at the moment. Got trivia now, and we are a man light because George has had to depart. So pressure's oh, on us now. Maybe good. that maybe that's why he was trying to name every striker in the Premier League for Steve's earlier question because he knew he wasn't going to be here for the trivia. So <laughs> I'm going to get the question up now. I haven't looked at it yet. This is my first time seeing it as well. So James Ward-Prowse could equal David Beckham's record for 18 direct free kick goals at Old Trafford this weekend. But how many of the other seven players to score at least 10 free kicks? Can you name that? This producer said he did, he's not backing us to get seven this week. I want us to obviously get get seven, but I've straight away read that question out and not one name has leaped into my head. Go on, say it again, Dan. James Ward-Prowse could equal David Beckham's record for 18 free kick goals at Old Trafford this weekend. But how many of the other seven players to score at least 10 free kicks in the Premier League? Can you name one actually has just leaped into my head? So I'll go for Ian Hart. That's who I was going to say, Steve. It's a beauty. That's who I was going to say. So that's one. That's a good. That's a you good. You did. Start. You did me last week on Dave Bassett. So I got you back. That was now. who I was going to say. Back. I don't know why. Weird that he's the one that leaps into both of our heads. That one. What a great free kick yeah, taker. He was a good free kick taker. Yeah, Laurent Robert. L- Laurent. It's Beckham. I'm shocked. That's right. I've got one, but I, I'm not. I'm not 100 convinced by it. Jamie Redknapp. Well, that was awful. Oh no! <laughs> um, I wrote an article on this guy and his free kicks a while back, and despite the fact he doesn't score them anymore, Ronaldo did score a lot at Man United, so he must be in there. It's Beckham! It's a beauty. I can't believe Laurent Robert's right and Jamie Redknapp's not by the Zola. way. It's Beckham! It's a beauty. Henri. It's Beckham! It's a beauty. What's that? Five? Is that all of them? How many do we need? We've got five. We need two more. Uh. You two have been 100% so far, in fairness. Just me that's got one wrong. Rushed in with Jamie Redknapp, been watching too much of a league of their own. Uh, Shearer? He's got a few. Well, that was awful. <laughs> Nobby Solana? Well, that was awful. Oh, no. Right, <laughs> oh, we're done. Right, then let's let's look at who we've missed. I've had the answers sent to me. So, the answers are Ronaldo, who we got. Thierry Henry, who we got. Gianfranco Zola, who we got. Oh, this next one. Sebastian Larson. Mm. Should have oh, got, you, should, oh, should have the got blue that. nose as well, Dan. Should've you should have got, got that, Phil. Should have got that. Laurent Robert, excellent shout from Steve. Must have cheated to, to have got that one right. No. Ian no Hart, cheating. and then the other one we didn't get, which to be honest, I don't think any of us would ever have got. Morton Gamps Pedersen. Oof. No. No, no chance. But, you know, five from seven. That was a good effort from the team team this week. Yeah. If George had been here, I shudder to think some of the answers that that may have come out of his mouth for that. He'd he's have, he's got he, a bit of a look at Morton Gans Pedersen about him, though. So he might yeah, have yeah, he, he does look helped. like a few people, doesn't he? May yeah. have helped, yeah. yeah. Trossard, he looks like a Trossard-Pedersen <laughs> crossover, doesn't he? Yeah, po- posh Trossard, that's, that, that's George. <laughs> right, next we'll discuss the growing pressure <laughs> on David Moyes as West Ham keep being drawn back into the relegation battle. It's Beckham! It's a beauty! This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? 
It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. This is the weekend preview here on the Athletic Football Podcast. West Ham v Villa is another Sunday 2 o'clock game which is not on TV. West Ham 4-0 winners over Forest one week but then lose 4-0 to Brighton the next. Explain please Tim. I think as I mentioned earlier, I guess it does feel indicative of the, of the Premier League this season. You know, Like I said, Man United win a trophy and then lose 7-0. I uh, watched Spurs beat Man City with their best performance of the season and then produce their, literally their worst the next week when they should have lost about 8-1 at Leicester. I guess you can only... You can only point to the World Cup really in terms of how it's played havoc with teams' schedules and training schedules and fatigue, mental fatigue, all sorts of things. And maybe that's maybe that's a bit of an easy cop out, but yeah, West West Ham are sort of in that and vary wildly from one week to the next. I mean, they're they're hugely in trouble, hugely in trouble. And David Moyes, I think, I think has moved out of the second window now. The, 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 the later you get, I think the less likely it becomes that he'll, that he'll be sacked. And, um, fans haven't quite turned on him fully yet. I know they were singing, you know, you get sacked in the morning at Brighton, but that didn't, it didn't feel too angry to me. It just felt like, God, you're hopeless, David. <laughs> we're pretty hopeless. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a difficult few sort of weeks and months, obviously, with David Gold's passing as well in, in the West Ham boardroom and, um, um, but that, uh, uh, from those teams that are down there, what relegation would do to West Ham is um, it, it doesn't bear thinking about for West Ham fans, to be honest. You know, with the financial stakes that they've got invested in, in in staying in the Premier League, so I guess in that way it makes it more surprising that they haven't that they haven't made a change because staying up is is absolutely imperative to their future. Because they've left it so late, I'm not sure where they'd go. Manager wise, they'd want Potts, wouldn't they? They've They've got, the fans would probably want Potts. They're not Potts pulling in a Potts or a There's no way they'd pull Pochettino wouldn't go there. He'll, he'll wait for Spurs team, I take it, wouldn't he? He'll wait for a, for a Champions League club. There's no way he'd go to, to West Ham, I'm sure of that. I'd imagine that West Ham fans would like a, a younger, hungrier type of manager. You know, Moyes is touching 60. Is he regarded as one of those now? Old school managers that you think they want a little bit. But they've been more brilliant old, the last old, two old years. Say. I think they finished sixth and seventh. You know they've had two very good seasons under, under David Moyes, and I feel like he used to do this a little bit at Everton. They'd have years where they were pushing top four, and then from nowhere they'd have a have a terrible year. I just think if they're to stay up, I think the board are probably being sensible. I think they've got a better chance of staying up with David Moyes. You've said it there. If they stay up, a, a club of West Ham stature, West Ham fans. Would be want to be challenging top six, top seven. Well, they spent a fortune to be worse. Yeah, not nine to two to be relegated. The away fans, I always say, are a good measure of of, of where you are. And I know Tim said they didn't go full, you know, get out last week at Brighton, but they were still they were still still booed off. And you can understand that with a, a club like West Ham winning one game all season away from home, having just six points away from home. That's why West Ham fans, I'd imagine, who, who, who travel and pay their hard their earned to go, will be frustrated. They've got the same points away from home as Nottingham Forest, and we know how bad they are 
away from it. You know, Declan Rice, we all hear about and all see what a brilliant player he is. Has he been that good this season, really? All right, Roy Kane. All right, has he? I, I don't, you know, I, but they are five to two favourites to win the Conference League. So they are twenty just under they are just under twenty to one to be relegated out and and win the conference uh, conference league, which will be which will be some double. There are some decent teams in there with likes of Villarreal and and, and Lazio, etc. Let's move on to Villa now. Since Unai Emery's first game, which was Aston Villa three, Manchester United one. Only Arsenal, Manchester City, Manchester United, and Liverpool have won more games than Villa, who've won seven. And in that time, Villa have played Manchester United, Spurs, Liverpool, Manchester City, and Arsenal. Villa are also joint top of the away league table since Unai Emery came in as well. So West Ham, this is a tough game for for them, Tim. I think you know. If Villa can keep it quiet for the first 20 minutes, the crowd may start to turn and then it becomes a difficult place for the West Ham players to play. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, Villa on a, on a on an upward curve, if I was a Villa fan, you know, I would be really enthused about, about next season, <clears throat> you know, with the right additions, they can, they can genuinely push for Europe. But one issue with the rest of this season, as as Dan knows, is, is Kamara being injured. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I was reading Greg Evans' piece earlier this week saying he's irreplaceable and a crushing blow. He said, and uh, and Greg is not one to get carried away and use irresponsible language for the sake of it. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, as Dan, as you know, he stops attacks and starts them. So um, he's probably the most important player in that Villa team right now, and the one you least want to get injured. So, you know, I was reading that Leander Dendonka sort of the, would be the favourite to come in and replace him. Having watched Dendonka for a few years, you know, he's he's no Kamara um, in in any stretch, really. In fact, they're very different players. Dendonka's much more of a water carrier who probably needs a probably needs two alongside him. He's not he's not technically as good. He's not as mobile either. You know he's more he's more of a, f- a physical player, good in both boxes. Will get the odd goal, but he's not a replacement for, for Kamara. So that would be a concern. But yeah, despite that, you know, given Villa's form, yeah, they can definitely put pressure on West Ham with an early goal. Could potentially be disastrous. Um, but you would expect Danny Ings to score this weekend, wouldn't you? Yes, a little bit of Danny Ings. And, and the next two games that they have these uh, against two of his former clubs, actually, I think uh, Villa and they got, they got Southampton next as well. You dismissed him a couple of weeks ago. Then he had a brilliant game, didn't he? And then he already had a kick in the Hammers' his last game. I, I, I think he had about 15 touches, I think, throughout the, throughout the whole of the game there during 90 minutes. So... Um, will he get a uh, Will he get a good reception, Dan? Yeah, from the Villa fans. He didn't disrespect Villa in in any way at all. The, the club and him just decided to move move was the best thing. The Villa fans liked Danny Ings. The move didn't quite work out, and it's incredible how someone's value can be halved in in, in eighteen months by by signing for Villa and playing for Villa when they were worth thirty million when Villa bought him. But I'm pretty certain if he plays, he'll score and make me look stupid next week, and we'll be discussing it on next week's podcast. So those are the featured games to look out for this weekend, with the full Premier League fixture list looking a little something like this. It gets underway on Saturday lunchtime with Liverpool's visit to Bournemouth. Then there are four three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday. Everton-Brentford, Leeds-Brighton, Leicester-Chelsea and Tottenham against Forest. At tea time, it's Crystal Palace versus Manchester City. Then on to Sunday, where there are three two o'clock kickoffs, and I can see Tim's blood boiling from here. Given the Thursday European action, that is the reason for that. Arsenal's trip to Fulham, Manchester United taking on Southampton, and West Ham v Villa. And to round things off at 4.30, it's Newcastle v Wolves. Can't have the Spurs writer on here, Tim Spears, without asking you about Antonio Conte. I mean, that game the other night, I only mm. caught the end of each half because I was watching a. 
Bayern Munich PSG. Mm, it, was te- it was tedious. You wouldn't have known Spurs only needed one goal to stay in that tie. I mean, you know, first time I've covered a Champions League uh, knockout tie, wasn't the away <laughs> leg in Milan as well. And I'll tell you what, I do not feel like in either game I was watching a last 16 Champions League knockout tie. Um, you sort of get it in the first leg because Milan are going for a, for a tight 1-0, fine, but goodness me after half an hour the, the place was silent and you know and, and that that was on the players and how they were playing it was um it's quite pathetic really and yeah a, a disastrous week for spurs with losing in the fa cup as well at Sheffield united as things stand as we record you know antonio conte still in charge uh, press conference at 130 today um um people might be surprised that there's all this kind of sacking talk given spurs are fourth in the league but it's because he's out, he's out of contract in the summer and you know as far as we know there are no there are no plans for him to continue and my colleague Jack Pickbrook wrote a piece yesterday saying Spurs are already drawing up their shortlist for his replacement Luis Enrique possibly at the top so the question for Levy now is you know the final 12 games of the season and there's a very important thing for the club to play for because Champions League football is means so much to Spurs in terms of their status and their finances so do they stick with Conte for 12 games do they give it Ryan Mason who's come in before when Mourinho was sacked or do they hire you know a permanent manager and as I was leaving the stadium uh, on Wednesday night, I could hear Mauricio Pochettino's name being sung. I mean, it was only by a couple of drunk lads, to be fair. It wasn't like it's 3,000 people. But still, um, th- there is a there is a level of support to bring Pochettino back, and he's currently unemployed. However, I think if Spurs were going to do that, then they'd have probably done it already, really. But yeah, if they lose to, if they lose to Forest at home on Saturday, the atmosphere, um, which hasn't been sort of mutinous yet, I think it, it might turn that way. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where fans point their anger towards uh, they were still singing Conte's name a couple of months ago. They've stopped doing that now, but they're mm. not chanting for him to go. They're more likely to chant for Levy out, which has been um, a more a more common sound this season. So yeah, either way, things not good at Spurs right now at all. Yeah, I mean, I can't see Pochettino taking that job at this stage of, of a season. I think he'd want to go in with a clean slate in, in the summer and have, have a pre-season and bring some of his own players in. But what struck me was just the atmosphere was just dead as well. Just resignation mm. that Spurs were, go, were going. Res- out. Was resignation. There was nothing yeah. that yeah. could be done about it. And that was the noise that- was amazing before kickoff. It's the loudest I've heard all season. And then everybody it kicked off, and everyone remembered what it's like to watch Spurs this season. And it just it just went quiet. Yeah, strange times at Spurs. Steve, we're going to finish with the six scores challenge. What have you got for us this week? Okay, we'll do we'll do three each. We'll start with you, Tim. We've got Leicester versus Chelsea. Um, one all. Ooh, okay. Spurs versus Forest. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> the one he wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think I think Spurs will Spurs will win two one. And Crystal Palace versus Manchester City. Nil three. Daniel Manchester United Southampton. Two one to Manchester United. Okay. Fulham versus Arsenal. Two nil to Arsenal. And Newcastle versus Wolves. Sneaky one one there. I think. Okay, 1-1. One, one. There he is for the million pounds. Six scores challenge, the free-to-play game. If we win, do, does that mean we don't have to share it with George because he's not contributing? Mm, it does, yeah, definitely. Does. No, it take it yeah, George it. will get 10% of it, I think. Okay, 10%. Me and Tim will be taking the bulk, though. Yeah, but I'll have to get my, my finder's fee as well. No, you work for Bet365, Dave. You're not, get, you're not getting anything. That's a legal activity, I, I believe. I'm, I, let me tell you, because <laughs> George hasn't contributed, I'm going to make sure I put it on this week. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> just in, just in, I'd love you to win it. I'd love you to be the first people to win it. Just It'd be in brilliant. Case, yeah. me, me and Tim taking the, taking the money back to the Midlands. Even though Tim doesn't live in the Midlands <laughs> anymore. That's it from us here at the Weekend Preview. Chappers will be back on Monday here on the Athletic Football Podcast. Until then, enjoy your weekend and thanks ever so much for listening. The Athletic. <laughs>